This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. Tomorrow is opening day. This morning, then I have a great hunt. Deer didn't move like usual. Everybody's got set up in the bedding thicket. It's saving the spot from the rut. It's a nice, I think it's a nice buck. Boom! It's a 170. That was money. I think it's down right up there. 10 yards. Woo! Whitetail Legacy Podcast, bringing you back to the hunt and leaving a legacy. Baller rut. Welcome to the Whitetail Legacy Podcast. You did it another week closer to deer season, and man, it is getting close, boys. I know the weather out there is hot, hard to start start really thinking about hunting out there, but we've had some cold mornings. Um, been out shooting my bow quite a bit and man, it just feels good to, to get back in the rhythm where, you know, that whitetail season is just around the corner. Um, this week I got Jake Bush on and, uh, we're talking about, um, what he has learned from his podcast. He started a podcast at the beginning of the year. And for someone that has such a distinct style and the way he liked to hunt and the things that he looked for, um, we're going to dive in and talk to him about what things he has heard on his podcast his guests has told him that he's tried that he plans on actually changing his style to see if that if it's worthwhile for him 
one thing about running a podcast, you get to talk to a lot of people for um, a long duration of time um, that are passionate about the same thing and very skilled at the same thing that you're trying to improve at. Um, so it's interesting to hear what he's going to change and what he thinks is going to improve his game. I know with me running the podcast over the years, um, my whitetail knowledge and hunting instincts have improved greatly just from talking to so many people. And I know that he's going to have some really good insight um, on the things that he's learned from his show that he plans on uh, trying to execute this season. But before that, let's get into the people to make this possible. And we're starting off with Exodus Outdoor Gear. You guys know that Velvet Fest is still running. That is 15% off site-wide. Um, cannot say enough about the rival cell cams, the shared data plans that they offer. If you guys are looking to get another cell cam, make sure and check out the rival. Um, but going to mention the micro-diameter arrows. This year I'm shooting a four-fletched micro-diameter um, arrow with an outsert. Um, they are shooting lights out. I've got them right. They matched my arrows from last year, which was – the MMT arrows, they matched them to be the same grain weight um, and put them on the bow and shooting flawless, um, stacking groups, um, been shooting out to 40, just getting my, getting you know, get back in the groove, shooting every couple days here. Um, I shoot in the off season weekly, maybe every other week, but it's something about this time of year I really try to get back out there and send a lot of arrows because you know that they need to perform. There's a certain couple things that have to perform when you're out there. One's you two is your bow, three is your arrow, and four is your broadhead. In my opinion, those are the things that you have to have perform in that moment. Um, and it's nice to have, not have to worry about those arrows. Got a dozen from them, be stacked up for a couple years, ready to hunt. Um, and uh, there is, be on the lookout for some new products coming out from them very soon. And don't forget that Velvet Fest. Um, for my Exodus update, the rivals are out. It's that time of year where you get that hot weather. The pictures are fluctuating in and out. Um, I just put up some rivals and some doe bedding. Um, and if you listen to the my last podcast, I put it in the not high old class does, the subdominant doe group. And just like that before, don't get discouraged if you're not getting buck picks, man. It's still early in the year. And a lot of the bucks picks you're getting now aren't even going to equate to anything during season. So uh, just keep running the cams, keep doing your thing, and uh, try to get out there and, and get as much whitetail work done as you can right now because season's going to be here before you know it all right with no further ado let's get into the show all right we got a return guest uh one of my favorite to talk to jake bush how you doing tonight brother i'm doing great man i really appreciate you having me back on here how you been i've been great man i really appreciate you coming on and chatting with me um i've been really tuning in to your podcast over the last few months um when you released it i was like man this is going to be good because um, you're always a good guest, well-spoken, um, can carry a good conversation on my show and the other shows that I've listened. Um, so you leading a conversation was going to be cool to actually see how your mindset was rolling. Um, you know, instead of me just asking you questions, you get to throw the throw the questions out there. Um, but before we get into deep, do a quick introduction of yourself, and then we'll get into the show. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm Jake Bush. I live in Central Ohio. I've been down here for about five years. Originally from Southwestern New York, I work full time for Latitude Outdoors. I host the In Session podcast, and I'm just a uh, whitetail nut, like probably everybody listening to this podcast. I just kind of eat, sleep, and breathe whitetails 365 days a year, and 
like to just, uh, you know, prepare and learn as much as I can about them and, and be the best whitetail hunter that I can be. Yeah. And you've proven yourself over the years for sure. Um, year after year having, you know, following your season, there's a few guys that I kind of make sure that I follow you, Moose, Justin Hollinsworth, Josh Prophet, um, you know, Matt, uh, green. There's a few guys that I'm like, I gotta follow their stuff just to see how they're doing. Um, and see what, what they got going on and, and try to learn something from you guys as well. Um, but you know, you started your podcast in session and something that a lot of people that don't know that don't have a podcast or haven't been on a podcast is you get like, you get an insane amount of information from different people from different parts of the world. And you get a lot of information, not on air. Like a lot of people are willing to say stuff over the phone, but not on a podcast. Um, and you just get like wealth of knowledge and you're trying to decipher what is good knowledge for you and what might work for you. So I wanted to have you on and talk about, you know, what is some of the biggest takeaways that you might change your style of hunting being that you've hunted, you know, been very successful in the way that you hunt. Um, some takeaways that you've picked out from your guests that you might try to, to put into your structure of hunting. Um, but before we get into that, just do a little bit of uh, into information on your podcast and uh, how the how the last six months of, of doing it has been. Yeah, of course. Uh, the podcast is Latitudes in Session. It's it started March first, and we've been pretty much dropping two episodes a week since that started. Um, we do basically a lot of tactic talk. We try to get lot of high level guests on and also guests that, you know, people might not know much about that I've just heard about through the grapevine. And the thing about the podcast is I love learning about whitetails. And so the approach that I've taken on it is I basically just sit down with whoever the guest is. And my goal is to just genuinely learn as much as possible from them. Because in my opinion, every single person that's a deer hunter has a strategy that works for them and things that work well and that don't work well. And they all have their own story to tell. You know, a lot of that information is going to be situational, but I always feel like if you truly listen to anybody out there about any facet of their life, there's going to be a lot of things that you can take away from that. And then you can mold into your own lifestyle or your fitness or your hunting or whatever that may be to just make you a better person. So I always try to just learn as much as possible. And I try to just take that route with the podcast where, you know, I'm sitting down and just asking very detailed questions. And we, we typically will keep it to a couple topics and just try to dive as deep as possible with every, you know, potential situation I can to make sure that I'm taking that and then molding it into my strategy. And I talk about that a lot after I ask a question, you know, I'll ask them something to give me an answer. And then I always try to explain back to them how I can take what they just taught me and apply that to my own strategy. And I'll tell you what, what that's done for me is I just feel like I'm going to have, I have so much more information and so many other things going through my head that have already helped me this year. Uh, a good example of that is I've always been very hub focused in hills. And I've talked to a lot of guys that are great at killing deer in the hills that don't hunt hubs. They might hunt the top of a ridge or the side of a ridge or a specific terrain feature or windward versus leeward bedding. You know, I'm, I'm very good at this one little niche this one little strategy, but all these other people have their own things that they're good at. So I've taken that and compiled all of that data and, and information in my head. And I went into an area that I've hunted in the past. And if I look at my map, I pretty much walk to the same spot every time to put some cameras out because that's where I always get, you know, good encounters with deer. 
well, I have to walk across the spine of a ridge to get there. And for the last five years, I've walked across this scrape on the top of the spine of the ridge because it's on the spine of the ridge. And in my head, they only do that at nighttime. Well, I finally got to that and I was like, you know what? After talking to uh, this guy, he explained to me that he sees deer crossing the ridge like this. So I'm just going to take a step back out of my own head and just see if I can analyze this. And then I took a strategy from Ryan Glitzky, totally, you know, somebody else and was like, well, Ryan looks for these faint trails and these old historical, uh, like this old historical rut sign are like very, uh, small amounts of brows where you can't even see like a dirt trail through brows, but all you can see is like little nippings off of stuff. And then there's a deer traveling through that. And what I came up with is on top of the spine of that Ridge, they actually come off windward bedding, which is another thing I learned from somebody else. Heath Cisco. And they circle up onto that ridge and they don't run the spine, but they have to cross the spine of that ridge to get on the steep part to run out to an ag field. And so there is a 20 foot section of that spine that that deer is traveling in daylight. And that just so happens to be where that scrape is. I had cell signal there. I threw a cell cam on it and I have the biggest eight point I've ever had on in my entire life daylighting there all the time. And so like what an awesome feeling, right? Like I learned all of this from all these other people, applied it to my own strategies and went out and actually put boots on the ground and I did something with that. And so like, that's the kind of things I'm trying to bring to light in the podcast is just keeping an open mind and being willing to always learn and develop your own strategies. Yeah. It's kind of nerve wracking to, to change what, what you're doing, what you've been successful doing over the years. Um, and that's something that I've been changing, like kind of repeatedly every year when you talk to people, you kind of I always throw a couple more cams or a couple more sets or hell, I hunted off the ground a couple times last year. Something that I've talked talked to people on here about hunting off the ground and something I've never done. And I was almost killed a really nice buck on the ground last year. Um, so it's really hard to get out of your comfort zone. Um, but just like I tell someone, I might be talking to a guy on here from Pennsylvania who, you know, hunts, and you might be from Iowa and have nothing in common with this guy other than he's hunting whitetail and you're hunting whitetail, but he might say something on the show that you're, just like you, the way I love your show is because you're always trying to figure out how you can use that intel, and there's something out there for everybody um, that you can take a piece of that and say, would that work for me? Um, and if you break the show down, you know, by small bits, you can really pull out some really key topics that, man, maybe I should try this. And then you try it. It's bullshit. It doesn't work for you. Then, you know, um, but one thing that I've, you know, heard a lot of people doing is something that I didn't do in the past was those cams and just the stupid spots, like the really small Creek crossings or, you know, they're just burning a cam out there. And it seems like every year I get the biggest buck pictures on those bullshit spots, Um, and you know, am I going to kill the deer off that one picture? Probably not, but it gives me an idea of the time frame that he was there. And then in my mind, I'm thinking this deer never goes over there, but here he is. Why is he there? Um, and that's one of the key things that I've picked up, you know, from running the podcast is don't ever get locked into your ways. Try to have an open mind to, to everybody's hunting style. Um, and see if you can change because that's what we're all trying to do. We're trying to get it as efficient as possible. And if you take everybody's, you know, nits, nits and pieces of everybody's style, you're going to be good in any place in the United States. Yeah. And, you know, in my opinion, there's two types of people. There's people that just think they know what they need to know and they're very close minded. 
And in my opinion, that's, it's very hard to grow as a person, develop further when you have that mentality. But if I look at the people that truly inspire me, um, you know, I've heard stories from multiple people that have had conversations with Andre DeQuisto, with Andy May, with these like elite guys. And the thing that most of them say about having conversations with those guys is they're just amazed at how in tune those guys are and how willing those guys are to learn from anybody, from anybody they're having a conversation with. I just had a talk the other day about a guy that finally that met Andy May at a show. And he's like, man, Andy just, you know, the whole time he was just like, you could tell he was truly listening to what I was saying and try to and trying to figure out how to take what I was saying tactic wise and find a situation that would work for him. And eventually it sounded like he had that light bulb moment. And that's just, I mean, that is the coolest thing. And in my opinion, that's why those guys are elite in the top of their field, because they're willing to just adapt and have an open mind and learn from people. And there, you can just you can go so far in anything that you want to do if you just have that mentality, in my opinion, that constant questioning and asking why and never just thinking that you're you've got it all figured out. You know, that's that's something that I will always try to do is just try to learn and become better every single year. Yeah. The year that just like me, the year that you feel really feel like you're going to have a good year, you know, you picked up new ground or man, you got a ton of bucks. Those are the years that you struggle. And the years that you're like out there just like, man, I'm not sure how it's going to go. That's the years that you just, you know, you you buck out in October. Um, crazy how it goes. You know, that's whitetail hunting. You never know good year, bad year. You can do everything right and just get bad straws. Um, but, you know, you mentioned a couple things on your show that you had really took into depth. But is there anything else that you, you are going to try this year that you thought you would never try in the past? Yeah. I mean, I have, I, there's a, there's a ton of them. I took a ton away from, uh, we actually filmed a, a couple of these in sessions too. Yeah. And we plan on doing the same thing next year, but I'll tell you what, like the best learning experiences I've had were those, I, I went out in the woods and spent a day in the marsh with, uh, with Ryan Glitzky and with Greg Litzinger or a day in the mountains with Ryan Glitzky and a day in the marsh with Greg Litzinger. And like, you want to talk about learning a lot, you know, a podcast is great, but we got to go record standing next to these guys and doing that. And it was just, it was the most awesome thing. You know, Greg has, he, he's a woodsman and he has all these little things he does, but you know, he's, he has areas where he's sub 25 yards from a bed of deer setting up. And he has uh, a lot of areas that it's so high pressured out in New Jersey that he actually won't run cameras. But what he does is he'll find an intersection where like there's a X of travel and he'll scratch the leaves away with his foot and then he'll go check all those spots for buck tracks. And so like, I look at something like that. I'm like, okay, well I do have a Kansas trip on the, you know, that's coming up this November and I'm probably going to utilize that. I'm going to go down a lot of these Creek bottoms where I find good crossings and just almost rake out the dirt with my boots. And, you know, if say I don't go to that spot for three days, well, I'm going to circle back around and see if there's any good tracks in that dirt. And if there's a couple of them, well, I might set back up. So, you know, you can't use cameras in Kansas. So how can you adapt? Well, Greg taught me a way to adapt that might sound off the wall, but he has success doing that. And so I'm not going to debunk it yet. Like it's, it's very possible that finding a buck track in a, you know, a area that I scrape out could lead to a kill in Kansas this year. And I would have never done that without talking to Greg about that. Ryan Glitzky, uh, he has this thing that I've really started catching on to now that he mentioned it to me where. Um, the dad's buck I killed in the video of the dad's buck, he hits a scrape and then he walks about three to five feet and he hits this broken sapling 
that was like splayed out and it held scent and he acted like that was licking branch and i just you can see it in the video but i just let it go i didn't even think about it and i went out and scouted with ryan and one of ryan's big things is finding these broken off saplings from these aggressive bucks at certain times in the year where they get their antlers in it and they'll you know a sapling twice the size of your thumb they'll rip right in half and when you find that you're there's a big deer around man because that is hard to do like you could probably fight that thing all day long and not get it to rip in half and so what i've noticed is a lot of these areas especially out of state how i'm scouting you know for, for the rut a little bit more if when i find some of these really good hubs that i think are going to be good rut travel the thing i'm finding in a lot of those that's tipping me off a little bit is these broken saplings and that's telling me a deer was down in there, a big aggressive buck that was fired up and he got a hold of that sapling and ripped that thing right in half. And now all you have is like two feet to stick out of the dirt straight up. And, you know, I walked by those for a long time, not even knowing that was deer sign, if I'm going to be completely honest with you. But now I have, I know what that is. And there's just, there's so many things. Like I said, Heath Cisco thing, uh, Heath is much more into tracks than I assumed, than I thought he was. And he taught me a bunch about how he's utilizing tracks. Like if he gets a deer on cell cam, he'll actually run into that area as quickly as possible without intruding on the deer, obviously, but he'll go look at that track and take a picture of that track and verify it. And that way he can say, okay, that, you know, 170 inch 12 point had this track with the hoof that on the left side, he had a broken off toe on the front of it. And now anytime I see that, I know what buck that is. That's another, that's a killer tip. You know, those are all little things that I've never thought about that I can just take into my own strategy. Yeah, it's crazy how frequent the, not the you know, the older old school guys that probably hunted before trail cams, like you were mentioning with Greg, um, they they utilize track so much. Um, and this time of year, I mean, it's it's pretty hard to, to utilize a track. But during season, I'm always looking at tracks, especially in scrapes. Um, you know, if you got a big scrape that's tore up, so you don't you find one you don't have a camera on it and you get down there and i look at the tracks and if there's a big print in there at least i know i'm in the area of, of an older age class buck and if i'm in the area of an older age class deer you know more than likely it's a lower a lower pressure area because he's there whether it's daylight or dark and i know of the general vicinity of okay he's hitting this scrape where might his bedding be but if you go to a scrape and it's all yearling and doe tracks kind of have an idea that you know maybe there isn't anything big around here and kind of move on that's a, a rut tech that i use from talking to heath about you know watching the tracks i don't go as far as him to go out and take pictures which is awesome um but i go as far as uh as at least looking down and verifying kind of the size of track during season for sure um and field edges are a great place to do that as well you know you can really see Okay, there's a whole bunch of small tracks over here entering the field, but there's, you know, bigger tracks on this inside corner. This is more likely when where the buck is coming out to this field if he comes in daylight. Um, and that's something in the past I never even thought about looking at. Um, and most of the time when you're scouting for whitetails, you're not looking down at the ground. You're kind of looking out, looking for scrapes or looking for rubs, you know, and not staring at the ground very much. Um, so there's, and it's really cool how those, you know, those guys, they're so meticulous in the fine details of whitetail hunting. I completely agree. And it's just, I keep telling 
you know, everybody, it's so cool to be a podcast host because you're seeing that firsthand. Like you're just, you're absorbing that information on the fly and then the ability to steer the conversation based on your own questions internally in your head. It's just, it's a really cool thing, man. It's, it's definitely an awesome experience. Yeah. You get to kind of outlay the, the questions, however you want. And that's why I said with your, when you said you're releasing the podcast, I got excited because it's kind of like a inside dive into how your brain works when someone's talking whitetail and what you're thinking about. Cause a lot of times when, when like you're talking on one side, my brain's running scenarios or, you know, trying to figure out if that would work for me or if I had any things in the past that I can relate to what you're talking about. But as a listener, he, he can't, he don't know what's going on. It's just a dude sitting in a room saying nothing. Um, so being able to lead the conversation on your podcast has been really cool to see. Um, and then you diving back in and trying to figure out how it works for you. I think that's the biggest takeaway that people, if they're listening to a podcast, really listen to it to gain knowledge or be entertained. If you're listening to gain knowledge, you know, don't, don't say, oh, that would never work for me and just write it off. Keep it in the back of the mind and, and think maybe that's something I should try. Cause when I first heard tracks, I was always like, man, that's some bullshit. How are you going to go out there and look for a track and figure out, you know, what's going on. But there's guys that are highly successful that are doing it every single year. So there's got to be something to it. And for podcasts, people, a lot of people that at least listen to my show are the guys that have killed a couple nice bucks, but they're really trying to get to that level where they're killing every year. You know, that's where I see a lot of the people um, where they're on the good deer, they're getting the good deer on cam, they're getting the encounter, but they just can't get those kills. They're just right there on the edge. Um, and I feel like that's probably where 70% of whitetail hunters are, you know. Um, and they're trying to listen to a podcast to get any knowledge. And something that's said might be the ticket to really sealing the deal for you that year. Um, so open-mindedness, like you said, and being willing to learn as a whitetail hunter is key. Um, but these those, uh, those scrapes on those ridges where you got this eight-pointer, um, are they – are they coming from the bottoms and then hitting the top of that ridge kind of on a horizontal or are they running that ridge long coming back from bedding to get to the ag? Yeah. So it's a, it's a really cool setup. So it's a ridge that runs east to west and then there's a bunch of points that jut out towards the north and, you know, say that you're looking at two of those sub ridges that are jutting out to the north while well, they're creating those in those bowls at the head of the ridges. Right. So on each side of the ridge, there's bedding in those bowls. There's a bunch of blowdowns. There's one that has some beetle kills. There's a select cut. There's some grass in there. So there's just a, a lot of diversity, and it creates really good bedding in those bowls. And I, I typically see this more in the hills with the truly mature deer. Is Typically, what I'm finding is they're not on the points very often. They're actually in the bowls more than they're on the points as far as bedding goes. So these deer are on the side of the ridge. You know, one side of the ridge is going to be leeward for a south wind. The other side is going to be windward. And then depending on the wind direction of the day is pretty much what's determining what side of that ridge that deer is bedded on. And what he's doing is he's bedded back at the bowl, but he wants to get to the front of the ridge to drop off it to go to some ag fields. So instead of going all the way down to the bottom and hitting the hub and running out, he doesn't, he doesn't want to do that. And that's probably because I've been down there hunting in those hubs for the last few years. And this deer has grown up with me hunting those bottoms, but he also doesn't spend a lot of time running the top of the ridge. And I bring cameras up there and not seen him on those cameras, which is why this scrape confused me for a long time. But what they're doing is he's running the side of the ridge on the steep part 
from the betting. He's on the windward side. And then at a certain point, that ridge cuts out. It gets too steep to navigate, so he has to cross the top of the ridge. There's not a saddle there. There's no identifiable feature that would tell you on a map to go look in that spot for deer travel. That's what's making this spot so great. That's why boots on the ground are so important. But what he's doing is he has to almost like hook up the ridge, cross that that top of that ridge, and then as soon as he can, he's getting on the steep part on the other side to be able to run all the way out to the ridge. So for him to stay out of harm's way, he has to put himself at a disadvantage for like 20 yards. And now that I know that, and now that he's a magnet, I mean, he's a, he's a giant eight point, like I'm talking as big as they get. And now that he's doing that, he has a disadvantage that I know about. And I just, I, I just have to play it right. We'll see what happens. Yeah. The good thing about being able to hunt the top of the ridge is the wind is so more predominantly in the right direction when you're hunting, you know, you're not getting those swirls, um, you're still going to be affected by thermal some, but in the morning on top of a ridge, that's like the hunter's dream. You know, if you can get set up there, you're going to be in way better shape than down there in those bowls. I've always had a really hard time hunting those bowls because of wind swirls and, and uh, how they react. But what's interesting is, you know, you're talking about the same kind of scenario. Um, I have Cody Hoon on. I've had him on the show a couple times, and he does the same kind of thing as you. Um, he's looking – in Iowa for those deer coming out of those bowls, crossing those ridges and then long lining those ridges on the other side to get to ag. And he's having really good success running cams on those horizontal ridge crossings where they're trying to get to the other side for the prevailing wind um, to go out to that ag field. Um, so it's, it's cool to hear some guy that's hunting the hills from in Ohio to hunting, you know, ag ground in Iowa. That's kind of using the same tactic to find bucks um, in that spot that they're willing to daylight and a spot that's huntable. Um, cause you hunting those, those hubs, I've never really understood how you're able to access those and be as successful as you are. You got some trick figured out for sure. Yeah. The, so you make a good point there and you know, basically any of these tactics, in my opinion, like I've scouted a bunch of States this year, I've scouted Indiana, Illinois, Kentucky, New York, obviously Ohio. I live in Ohio, but scouted all those states and I'm finding very consistent like deer travel patterns in the same area. So like whether you're in Iowa, whether you're in hill country in Ohio, um, down in Kentucky, Tennessee, I think that there's a lot to take away from anybody basically throughout the Midwest that's in hill country that's having success. There's going to be something to take away there. So it's really cool to hear about a guy having success on something that, you know, I haven't had success on it yet. It's just the thing I've built up in my head that I think I can capitalize on. So now I'm like, man, maybe there is something to it. Maybe yeah. I got a real shot at this thing. Yeah, and it's, uh, like it's going to be way easier to access that than it is oh, those yeah. bowls. So that's going to be awesome as well. Yeah, so the thing with the bowls is like the bowl, the, everything is so situational, right? Like you can't go look for that, what I just explained on any ridge system. It's only, I've only ever seen it on one. Like you you just have to have the playbook to know that when that arises, you need to stop and, uh, and, you know, address that situation and say, okay, what's actually going on here. And then you come up with that on the fly, but it's a lot easier to do that. If you have knowledge in the back of your mind from listening to somebody on a podcast at some point in time, explain that situation. It just eases the learning curve in my opinion. So, so, you know, with, with that being said, the thing with the hubs is the hubs are very tricky. And that's why, like, you can't just go find a hub and kill a Boone and Crockett deer in it anywhere. It has to be the right hub, and it has to be the right year, and it has to be the right conditions and the right 
time of year, there's all of these factors. You know, you might only get a three-day window where that mature buck is even inhabiting that rib, that hub system. And then you have three days to strike, but you only get one day where the, where the conditions are correct, or maybe zero. You might not even have the conditions that are conducive for killing that deer, and you just need to stay out of there and figure out a different way to target him. But the thing that I, I'll say with the hubs is that, you know, I scout a ton of hubs. I scout hundreds of hubs every year, and I pick up one, maybe two, that are giving me that success. And it, you know, people listen to a podcast and they hear me talk, hey, I've killed a couple of booners in a hub, right? Well, and they're like, oh, I got to go hunt a hub. But they don't see the back end of that where I've scouted 600 hubs to have five good spots. And so, like, not every hub is equal. Not every ridge system is ever going to be equal. But you have to just have the right situation. And for me, the right situation is a ton of diversity in these systems. Clear cuts, uh, deadfall, different types of oaks. Let's get some reds. Let's get some pins. Let's get some whites, some burrs, some chestnut oaks for different times of year. Let's get some ag fields at the drainage. That way I know they have a destination food source they're going to work towards and they're not going to go up the ridge from the bedding at night. You know, as soon as you throw an ag field at the end of these things, travel becomes at least semi-consistent because you know the direction they want to go that night. If there's a standing cornfield, they're going to go towards that standing cornfield. Or if you have a big white oak flat, well, he's going to find his way over to that big white oak flat. But if you don't have that and he gets out of his bed and he goes the wrong direction, you're just completely out of the game. So I try to eliminate systems that are putting me out of the game. The thing with the drainages, the drainages need to face the right direction for the prevailing wind. So the hub is going to be the highest point of the, of the drainage, right? The, the highest point. So you want to have the hub draining out like the creek or the drainage flowing the way the predominant prevailing wind will, will blow. So in my case, a south wind or a west wind, I want a drainage that faces, faces north or east. That way I can walk right up the center of the drainage or the center of the creek to get into that spot quietly. And I've got the wind in my face the whole day. A lot of times I don't hunt the actual hub. I hunt just outside of it or I hunt up on the ridge a little bit to get a thermal pull down in a certain direction. Sometimes I do just risk it and I hunt the hub scrape. It just depends on the situation. But, you know, some of them, the bedding is actually overlooking the hub and you can't even get in there to access it. It's junk. Cross it off your map. It's not possible to hunt that system from the bottom. But if there's one where the bedding, they can't quite see it or there's a lot of beach in there creating about a lot of cover and you can slip in and get one stick high and shoot him, well, now you're in the game. So it's very, like, I hear all these people that are like, well, I went and scouted a hub and it sucked, so he doesn't know what he's talking about. I'm like, yeah, but I've scouted 600 of them, 594 of them have sucked. Yeah, I've got six that are good. You know, they don't, they don't see the, like, 1,200, like, last year I did 1,200 miles boots on the ground, and I never killed a deer. So like, it's a huge amount of work to find a couple of systems that work the way you want. It's, it's much easier to just go into these systems and then pick them apart and find what, what that system's giving you as opposed to finding like the specific terrain feature. So, you know, you can be a hub guy and go hunt them like I do, but you're going to have years where you're not going to kill because the hub isn't going to be the place to be. So I had that last year. So now I need to expand my playbook and I need to find a way to kill deer other ways. I need to be able to kill them on top of the ridge and find those little 20 yard weaknesses. I need to be able to kill them on the side of the ridge. I need to be able to kill them on a Creek crossing or a beaver dam crossing or all these other factors on top of hubs. And then that's, that's, that's being, you know, those guys that can do all that are truly elite and I'm far from being that guy, but I can tell you that I'm on the path of learning as much as I can to become that person. And so it's a long road, but eventually I will be able to be semi dangerous in all those circumstances because I just love this so much. 
Yeah, that's what it takes. You got to have the willingness to to say, okay, I, I've been successful. I've killed some deer, but there's I could be doing this better because anybody that says they go out there and have a great hunt, every single hunt, is they're lying. Or they're on some insanely managed farm where they, the deer haven't seen a guy for five years. You know, it's it's one or the other. Um, there is top-level guy. Even the top-level guys struggle, Like just like you last year. I mean, a lot of people last year, it was kind of off year for a lot of guys. Like, the studs were struggling to kill deer. It was it was weird how, you know, you follow this. And, and the year before, it seems like everybody just slayed out, you know? Um, yeah, but yeah, they did. It, it just has kind of an ebb and flow kind of deal. And um, it's not like you guys didn't work. You probably worked harder than you did the year before that. You tried to get more knowledge. Um, but it's, it's a game of, you know, a game of inches is what they like to say. And it really is. It's a game of how much can you learn in the off season before you, it's time to hunt, you know, can you find the bucks and how can you make a game plan on them? Um, so the last question I have before we wrap this up is, you know, you've had, you've been recording for six months. You had a pretty, um, distinct style, how you like to go in and hunt. Um, what is your style this year? Um, going to be after listening to these episodes, doing all this scouting, what is your main style of hunting going to be? Are you going to stick to your traditional style that you were, or are you going to switch anything up? So I think the best way to explain my style at this point is just open-mindedness. And I know that's probably not the answer that you're looking for, but I've just, I'm, I'm ready for anything that gets thrown at me and I'm just ready to evolve and adapt. Uh, I obviously still am hub focused in general, it, it at least gives me inventory in a lot of these spots, you know, like I can get the inventory down low, but I'm not afraid to go up high now, or I'm not afraid to hunt the ridge side. Like I, I'm just going to be very, I'm going to be able to adapt as quickly as I need to and be open-minded not just be stubborn. Like I've been stubborn in the past. I've had success from being stubborn. Don't get me wrong. Like there is a time when stubbornness is a good thing, but I would say in general, having that open mind and just being willing to adapt, um, is a good thing. You know, I've got a lot of different States on the, on the board this year. We've got Kentucky Hill country. We've got some Indiana Hill country. We've got Illinois Hill country. I'll be in New York, possibly Michigan, Kansas, mid November. We're going to be all over the place. And so styles are going to have to change a lot. Like you cannot be locked into being a hub guy and then go try to have success in five or six States. I just don't think that it's going to be the most efficient thing for you to do. So I would say that I'm just making sure that I'm doing everything I can to just prepare. And I really want to be in the moment this year. I don't want to have any sort of like build up pressure expectations. I want to just want to go out. I want to have fun, man. I just want to enjoy hunting for what it's supposed to be. And I want to just be in the moment. You know, we're only going to get so many, so many days to sit in a tree stand in our life. And, you know, unfortunately I've got to see that with my dad and grandpa, uh, they're gone. And that was a big lesson for me where each moment I get to spend in a stand is just very important to me because there's only so many of them. So I just want to go sit in a tree stand and try to just be in the game more than anything else. I want to get that heart rate up a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. A couple of takeaways there is the, you know, like you said, the stubbornness thing, if you got something that's working, don't change it. Like if you got this scrape in mid October that you've killed five bucks off of the last seven years, hunt that scrape. You know, there's something about that spot that's on fire. Um, but if you're out there and you're struggling or, you know, you're finding less success in areas, don't be afraid to try something new. And a lot of people ask me or text me, what, what's your style? Or, 
and I kind of give the same answer as you. It's pretty vague. Um, I just say hunt where the big bucks are if it's huntable. <laughs> and for a lot of people are like, well, what's that mean? I'm like, it means exactly what it means. You know, if there's big deer there, hunt them if, if you feel like they're killable. And that's something that I've tried to – there's a lot of bucks that you find in spots that I deem are just unkillable in that spot. And my stubborn ass have been in there and just pounded that spot, pounded it, and tried to make it work, and tried to make it work, and found zero success doing it. Now I find a giant buck, and I'm like, all right, where can I kill this guy? And I would rather hunt with the potential to maybe see him less in a spot that I deem that I'm not going to spook this deer and feel like I can actually kill him from this spot um, instead of going in there and being extremely aggressive to try to to force it to happen. You know, you're just out there going with the flow, hunting big deer. And that's kind of the same style I took last year is I'm going where the big deer are and kind of just do my thing. And, but you know, if there's always a time where like, I'm going to do something crazy, you know, and you throw a crazy yeah. set out there, you know, like I'm going to go one stick off the ground in a walnut tree with zero cover and try to get behind this little bush because this is where I need to be, you know, and sometimes it works, sometimes it don't, you know, and it's just part of the game. But, um, I really appreciate you coming on. I'm excited to uh, to watch your season this year unfold. It sounds like it's going to be an action-packed one, multiple different states. Um, I'm assuming you're going to be filming most of your stuff still, aren't you? Yeah, so nice. we actually yeah, – Latitude launched the grit. So if you guys haven't seen that, head over to YouTube, YouTube uh, Latitude Outdoors, and the grit web series is on there. Um, and we're just going to film that this year as well. We're going to try to ramp it up. We're going to try to cover a lot of states. and just go out and have fun and document it and produce some good films. So that's the goal is it's going to be a hunter slash camera guy the majority of the time. And we're just going to try to, you know, tell our stories. Nice. Yeah. And, um, definitely go over and check out those scouting episodes that he was mentioning before. I watched all those, a lot of good takeaways in there. Um, and like you said, you can get, you know, people say, you know, a picture's worth a thousand words. How much is a video worth? And you can get a lot of, uh, a lot of intel in there and that video uh, kind of digging deeper into a guy's mind instead of just talking about it on a podcast you actually get to see what you guys are looking at and then talk about why you guys are talking about what you're talking about you know so uh, i really enjoy those episodes looking forward to more of those um hopefully this coming off season um one thing to end it here just like you said you never i last year i took the saying of you never know when it's going to be your last buck um so don't this year if you got a buck that you're on the edge and you want to shoot shoot him you know just go out there have fun you know don't don't put I don't know if it's because you have a podcast you put that perceived pressure on yourself um, but I didn't kill all the way till like December 30th last year you know I hit a limb on a buck and man the pressure to kill um when, especially when you have people messaging you like what's going on dude like what what what's going on why haven't you killed yet you know because they're people just think you got it all figured out wrapped up in a silver bow but what they don't realize is we're literally just like you trying to kill these bucks and shit don't work out sometimes yeah so so um i'm gonna do the same approach try to take the perceived pressure off hunt my hunt hunt where the bucks are try to do my thing and and go from there and uh last year i had that mishap on the buck and man it, it got to me big time like i was like damn you know that was your chance that was your target buck for the year you blew it um, you could have set up better on him, but just bad scenario. Buck did a weird thing, and you took a you know a bad shot at that moment and hit a branch. So shit happens out there, but don't get discouraged. 
try to do better next year and move on. So you got anything else you want to do before you end it? That's pretty much it, man. You, uh, you finished that perfectly. I, I think that's great. All right. Thanks for coming on, brother. Yeah. Appreciate you having me on. All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed this episode with Jake. Um, wanted to go over some of the stuff that he's learned, you know, over the, the six months of podcasting. And the main takeaway from this is don't be afraid to change your strategy and try something new and never stop learning. Um, just be a student of the game. Um, there's a lot of people out there that can give content um, and you got to kind of go through it and figure out what's good for you and what's not good for you. But don't, you know, if a guy only killed a couple bucks or whatever, and you know, he might have some strategy that is going to help you a ton. Take the time, listen to him, see what he's got. That might help you. Um, like always, Always try to do the right thing, guys. Appreciate you tuning in all the way to the end. Um, love you guys. The support for this year has been incredible. Um, can't thank you enough. And uh, try to leave a legacy. And Whitetail Legacy is out.